Awesome. Thanks, Jace. Very good. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning at Walk Church. And if you do happen to watch this message online, we want to give a shout out to you as well. Um, this is really a humbling moment for me, to be honest. If I can just be transparent with you, church family, this is kind of a big deal for me because I'm amazed at God's grace this morning. And I was just talking with my buddy George about how, how, how God is a redeeming God. Would you guys say that's true? Amen. Has God ever redeemed something in your life? And I think for me today is, is special. Uh, as, as I was getting ready to come to church this morning, and I had my outfit ready, but I just didn't have my shoes yet. And so I went in my closet, and I was like, all right, what type of shoes do I want to wear today? And I was looking at my dress shoes and different things like that. And in the corner of my eye, I spotted the shoes that I have on right now, okay? And so they look, they look a little, little dusty, but check this out. These are the exact shoes that I wore when I was an eighth grader playing on this basketball court here at Schofield Middle School like almost 15 years ago. Is that crazy? And I'm like, they're a little snug, but they still fit. I didn't grow much after eighth grade, unfortunately. That, uh, yet... Yet God is a redeemer, amen? Who would have thought that the, the, the same shoes that shot up and down on that hoop, we would be standing under worshiping and preaching God's word? The, the main thing is, is him. And God's a redeemer, right? He doesn't waste any of that. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, our, our past life is, we, we just want to just, just get it away from us. And I understand that because if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Praise God for that promise from him. But that doesn't mean that God wastes that. What he does is he redeems it. The word redeem by definition means to restore, or it means to buy back to, and restore to its original purpose. And I think God used the Jordans uh, to, to originally point to his glory. Amen? He is the original jump man, Jesus. All right? So uh, I just wanted to make mention of that because I thought that was pretty neat that God is a redeemer. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to continue on our verse-by-verse study through this awesome, gorgeous, glorious book in the Bible called Philippians. Amen? When you get there, say, let's go. Some of you guys are already there. Some of you guys are there by way of screen, and I respect that, but go ahead and bring your Bible too. You can do it. If, you go, if you're there by your phone, and we're going to let that glow just hit your face right now. That reads Philippians 2, uh, and we're going to jump into our study for today. The past few weeks, we've been talking about the, the last 10 verses of Philippians chapter 2, and we've centered in on a character in the Bible. Do you guys remember him from last week? Can anybody say his name? Timothy, right? Young Tim. We focused in on Timothy and did a verse-by-verse in-depth study from verse 19 all the way to verse 24. And we talked about all these different lessons and life lessons and godly lessons that we have the privilege and pleasure of learning from Timothy. And we did a scouting report on Timothy, and we looked at the, the statistics, if you were Timothy, and said, you know what, what can we take out of his life and apply to our own? Well, there's one more character that God chose to highlight in the book of Philippians, specifically in chapter 2, that we're going to take an in-depth study on today. And his name is Epaphroditus. I love Epaphroditus. Uh, my wife and I love Epaphroditus and that name. I got a picture of Epaphroditus from the Bible right here. That's not him, right? That, 
No, I had to do that because you guys know who that is. If you don't, you need to. That's our son. That's baby Epaph, and he's the man, okay? Amen, baby? Um, but we have a different picture of Epaphroditus. There he goes. We're going to use that picture right there. That might be a grown-up. This picture half one day, except for like the, the white robe and stuff. Um, but we're going to use this picture to talk about Epaphroditus this, this week and next week as well. As we finish up Philippians chapter 2, we're going to spend the next two weeks chopping up this guy in the Bible named Epaphroditus. I like what James Montgomery Boyce says in his excellent commentary on Philippians 2. He says it like this. Of all the men Paul honors in his epistle to the Philippians, it's a layman named Epaphroditus who gets the most attention. Here is a man who is almost unknown to us. And yet Paul selects him, Epaphroditus, as deserving the highest honor. I hope that so as we enter into these verses to chop up and talk about Epaphroditus, I hope that we grow familiar with this character in the Bible. We learn more about him. And now you don't have to look at me crazy when I say we named our son Epaph, okay? Amen? You'd be like, oh, I get it now. I understand why you would name him that because he is a special character in the scriptures. If you're there at Philippians 2, 25 through 27, just one more time, say, let's go. If you're there, say amen. If you're there, say ready. All right, we got four people. If you're there, say ready. Come on, communicate with me, church. If you're there, say ready. All right, we're good. We're ready. Let's pray. God, we're here. We're ready. The, the, the table is set. Philippians 2, 25 through 27 is the encore. God, we are, we're ready today, God. We need to hear you speak today, God. Just right now where you're seated, will you just ask God to speak to you? In the basketball gym, God, would you speak to me? Could we have an encounter with the living God, Jesus Christ, today? God, I pray that we would not walk out of here the same way we walked in. Change our lives today. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as I've studied and looked at these three verses over the past, again, in a few weeks, I, I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling, once again, with a question. And so here's my question slash title to you today. What makes you necessary? What makes you necessary? And I know that could be challenging, and I know that could, could sound like, hey, pastor, what, what's up with that little jab there? And, and it's, a, it's a jab to me because when I read these verses about Epaphroditus, I had to ask myself the question, do, do I resemble this guy in the Bible? And we're going to look at him today, and I hope we can answer this question with either some action steps or some accountability or some things that we can pull and read these Vians 2, 25 to 27 and say, I need that. God, I need that. So let's go ahead and read these verses together, and God is going to speak to us. Here we go. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger, and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So, what makes you necessary? I, I spent some time 
on this word necessary because if you look at verse 25, Paul is very clear to say, I thought it was necessary that I sent Epaphroditus back to the Philippian church. Notice what Paul said the last couple weeks. He said, I hope that the Lord Jesus would send Timothy. Paul followed up and said, I really hope that he would send me too. I hope Timothy comes. I hope that I get to come. But something different here, he says, I found it necessary to send Epaphroditus. The word necessary, by definition, at least in the Webster's Dictionary, says the word means so important that you must do a change. Absolutely needed. Unable to be changed or avoided. Paul looked at Epaphroditus and he said, he is so important that I must send him. He, he is absolutely needed in Philippi. I can't change it. I, I can't avoid sending this brother to be back with you guys in his home church in Philippi. And so maybe you would ask, what made the dude so important? What made he changed or this so necessary, so absolute, so unable to be changed or avoided? I can't avoid it. I got to send him. That's not changing. What made him that? Well, that's the question that I want us to answer through these next few points today. Here we go. If you're ready, look at the person next to you and say, wake up. Come on. Wake them up. Let's do this. Because we got a few points that we want to cover in a, in, a, in a short amount of time, and I believe God's going to speak. The first point, Epaphroditus was necessary because he was a part of the family of Christ. I want to just take a moment and highlight this point because it's a necessary point for our church and for you as an individual Christ believer. Epaphroditus was necessary because he was a part of the family of Christ. How do we know that? Because in verse 25, Paul addresses him like this. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. And I want to make mention and draw our attention to this again because, uh, because Paul is, is consumed with using family language, isn't he? When you guys read the New Testament epistles, right, the letters to the Philippian church or the Corinthian church or the Galatian church or the Ephesian church or you read the book of Acts when Paul comes on the scene. What type of language does he use? It's the context of family, isn't it? Timothy, you, Epaphroditus, my brother. We talked about Timothy last week. He says, Timothy, you've been like a son to a father in my life. He talks about uh, different females in the Bible and he says, I hope to send my sister. I hope to send Epaphroditus, my brother. And it's important that we understand this point because we need to understand that the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ, that the church of Jesus Christ is not just a social club. It's not just a group of people getting together. It's a family of people on mission together. Amen? And, and I love how my, my brother and friend Dahadi Lewis says it. And I'll pull this quote on the screen for you guys because it's, it's valid for us today. He says, the church isn't like family, but it is family. So if you're sitting next to a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a believer and follower of Jesus today, and you're part of the Walk Church family, it's not just somebody who's like a brother, like that's Jason, he's like a brother to me. Not no like. Paul doesn't say, I hope to send you Epaphroditus, he's like my brother. 
He says, I'm sending you my brother. That is a big word. But sometimes we, we act like that's not true. And the reason why Epaphroditus was necessary because he was part of the family and they treated him like that. And I want to Epaphroditus was treated like family, not just to the Philippians, but to Paul. And I want to show you guys in the scriptures where this comes to life. Because Epaphroditus, it's big for him to be a part of the family. Let me tell you why. His name alone should tell you that he is not a Jewish man. Right? The name Epaphroditus um, came as a, as a name or a word or a phrase that would um, often be compared or paralleled with um, Aphrodite, which was the, the goddess of love in the Greek pagan myth culture, right? So he obviously came up in a Greek mythological culture, and his name later on meant to, be, to mean lovely or handback or charming. Um, but it stemmed from this Greek cultured background and so here's this man named Epaphroditus. He doesn't have a Jewish name. He's not Abraham. He's not Joseph. He's not Joshua, right? He's Epaphroditus. And Paul says, yeah, and that's my brother. And there is a gospel trend there that we must take account of because we need to have that in our city, in a city that we often refer to as the city of sin, right? Sinful people all around us, not just here in our city, but here in our fellowship. And, and a lot of them are brothers and sisters in Christ. Epaphroditus was a brother in Christ. Is it like, let me show you guys this verse right here in Romans chapter 10, verse 12 through 13. He says it like this. Paul says, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all. Everybody say the word all. One more time, say All. All who would call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's not, it's not your name that distinguishes you. It's not whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile or a Greek or a barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. It doesn't matter what you come from in your culture. If you have put your faith in the Lord, Jesus Christ, you are now calling the name of the family of God. Ephesians said that all whom call on the name of the Lord, right, are adopted into his family. Praise God that he not only saves us, but he adopts us. And you now have brothers and sisters you can do life with. Let me show it to you in another uh, portion of scripture in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50. Jesus, all right? I want you guys to visualize this. Are you guys ready? Visualize Jesus, okay? He's having a Bible study with his disciples. He's hanging out. He's kicking it. He's chilling. He's chopping up the word with his disciples. They probably are passing around pita bread. That's how I visualize it, okay? And here's what happens. While he was still speaking to the people, to speak Behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. We need to see my son Jesus. We need to see James' brother Jesus. We're outside. Tell him to come out. But Jesus, he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. I'm sorry, I didn't say it right. Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, my mother. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying people, gospel is family, right? Saying that the people around you aren't just people. 
But the people around you, if they're in Christ, if they've called in the name of the Lord, that's your brother, sister, mother, people all around you. And here's what that means. Here's the application step. If you want to be counted as necessary, act like it. Act like you're part of the fam. Treat one another the way Paul treats Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was necessary in Paul's eyes, firstly, because he was a brother. Maybe you're like, hey, I don't know about anybody in this church. That's too much family talk for me. Here's your chance. You have a lot of people here, anybody in the room, in this gym, where you could talk with afterwards and get outside your comfort zone. If you don't know somebody in here today, get to know them. That could be your brother. That could be your sister. That could be a mother in Christ that you've been looking for for a long time. Paul says, I was a spiritual father to Timothy. Maybe you need that. Maybe that's here at the church. We want to welcome you to do that. That is what necessary looks like. Let me give you guys the second point today of what it looks like to be necessary. Epaphroditus was necessary because he was a co-laborer in Christ. So first, because he was part of the family. Second, because he was a co-laborer. Look back at verse 25 with me one more time. He says it like this, Paul. He says, I thought it made Epaphroditus to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and my fellow worker. What made Epaphroditus so unique? Why was he a, a, a necessary factor in the gospel ministry? Here's why. Because he wasn't a sloucher or, or he wasn't lazy. He wasn't lethargic. He was actually a fellow worker. He did something about his faith. I, I admire this about Epaphroditus that he gets this title from the Apostle Paul. What title, you ask? Fellow worker. That means that the dude put in some work. I love to hear that about him. That he didn't just sit around and show up and take, 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 take. But he said, I'm going to get involved in this. I'm going to dig my heel and, let me, and I'm going to help out where I can help out. That, that, that's big time right there. And let me just make this disclaimer. It's hard to be a fellow worker. Especially in a church plant like ours. Where these chairs are going to have to be taken up after our service. And this stage is going to have to be put away. And these speakers are have to gonna go somewhere and the screen and... And people are volunteering in the kids' ministry. It's hard to be a fellow worker. But that's what it means to be necessary. Maybe today at Walk Church, it could be that you feel like, you know what? Maybe I'm not necessary. And what I would say to you is, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. You can play and play in this church in a major way or you can just drift off to the side and play in the background. Which one would you choose? Do you want to be someone like Epaphroditus, who was a brother? He was well-known in the family of God. He was a fellow worker. He was a co-laborer. It was, hey, we're rubbing shoulders together. We're putting chairs down together. I might be the person that puts the pen on the envelope. That's big time. I'm thankful for some of the people that I saw back there folding up the tanks and the shirts today because they showed me, hey, I'm a fellow laborer. I, I, I'm living out and demonstrating Epaphroditus' gifts today. Some people had to get called in last minute as one of our uh, main children's, uh, I wanted workers in the back, had got called into work this morning. And someone said, I'll step up and I'll do it. I want to be a fellow worker. I don't want to just sit. I want to be a part of the co-laboring. I want to be necessary. Does anybody else want to be necessary at church? Do you want to be used for the kingdom? You can. You can. I think of as the way Paul thought it was necessary uh, to have Epaphroditus. I oftentimes think that way about many of you guys. 
right? We, we say that often about people like, like Wes, who, who leads our sound ministry in, 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 in a variety of different ministries in the back, or, or Jason, who helped put a lot of this together, or the band who showed up really early and dissembled this stage. People called it water bottles. I'm like, hey, if they don't show up, we might not have them. I saw Brother Carl today leaving to go get coffee creamer. Necessary, amen? Did anybody find the creamer to be necessary today? Can y'all amen that at least? Right? Or, or, or you know, if, if, if my wife Nina is not checking the kids in today, that's necessary. My brother George was in the back. He wouldn't even want me to say this, but I walked in the back room today and he was there praying for you guys today. I was like, oh, sorry, dude. He was in the prayer room. <laughs> necessary. You can fellow co-labor in this kingdom community in some dynamic. You would be necessary. For all, you just got to ask. Or maybe you'll be asked. You just got to respond. And we're thankful for all the co-laborers who make this happen here weekly. Let me give you guys the third point of Epaphroditus and why he was necessary. Epaphroditus was necessary because he was a soldier for Christ. Epaphroditus was necessary because he was a soldier for Christ. Maybe that's unique language for you today. It is for me. I'm like, okay, so we, got, we, got, we understand family dynamics, right? We understand um, that we got to serve and we got to work together at this thing. We got to co-labor. But what about this third point? Soldier for Christ. Let's look at our verse, Philippians 2.25. He says it like this. Thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. So what does that mean, church? Why is it important for Epaphroditus to be a soldier in Christ? Why does Paul specifically choose these words to define this character? Let's keep searching. The word soldier in the Greek means to engage in conflict. It means to rub shoulders with one another and do this together. I remember when I was playing basketball in Israel, and uh, we had a coach who was like super militant, all right? He was serious. He had like a really raspy dude. It was intimidating whenever you talk to him, you're like, you know, just like, oh man, what did I do, right? And he was really strict and, and really honest, but at the same time, he was a good coach. He was a, he was a disciplined coach, and he understood the game of basketball. But I remember after one game, we, we lost a close game. All right, let me just be honest. It was one of those where in the last second the team scored and we lost. And the next day, instead of having practice or after practice, he brought us all into the locker room. And it was one of those like one hour long talks where it was just left and right, calling people out, putting this, the video up, pointing out mistakes. This is why that happened. Here's what we did wrong. And he finished with this statement. He looked at everybody in the room, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. And he said, when I look at this team, he said, I only see like three or four people that I could go to war with. And he said, I only see a few guys on this team that I could really know when I go out there on the court, I'm going to war with those guys. And I remember that stuck with me. And I, and I praise God that later he mentioned, he said, I believe that, that, that you're one of those guys. And I thought, well, I want to be that type of Christian I want to be that type of church member. I want to be somebody that when, when, when you hear at Walk Church are a brother or a sister in Christ, or you're a fellow worker, you look at myself and you say, that's somebody I can go to war with. 
Because if you didn't notice, the gospel ministry is also a war. Have you guys ever heard of something like spiritual warfare? You guys know that there's an enemy? His name's Satan. He's the devil. He hates what's going on here today. If he could destroy this whole thing, he would do it in a minute. He's trying to. He hates it. Does anybody ever run into spiritual warfare on Sunday? I do. I do sometimes. And and here's what Nina and I look at each other and say. We're in war. The enemy does not want us to meet today. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you? Because look at the person next to you and say, I believe it. If, if you do, tell them. Because we're in war together. I love how Dr. J. Vernon McGee puts it in his Philippian commentary regarding this verse. He says, Paul says, he's my fellow soldier. He fights with me. He doesn't stick a knife in my back when I'm away. He doesn't side with my enemies. He stands shoulder to shoulder with me for the faith. I I pray that Walk Church produces fellow soldiers in Christ. Amen? That, That I would be able to look and say, not only I trust the person next to me because that's my brother, they're a fellow worker, and not only that, they're a soldier in Christ. They're, they're going to war with me. When I look out at this church, I see people that are willing to do that. I praise God, my wife and I praise God for this church, that we have fellow laborers and fellow soldiers in Christ. And that's how it should be, amen? That's what a real church should look like. And here, here's what I would say to you. If you're not being that, invite somebody to challenge you on that. Invite somebody to hold you accountable and say, hey, am I being a fellow soldier in Christ? Am I being a fellow worker, a fellow co-laborer? That would be beneficial for us. Let me look at point number four, okay? Number four, Epaphroditus was necessary because he was a messenger of Christ. So, so co-laborer, yes. Soldier for Christ, yes. Messenger of Christ, yes. Verse 25. Let's keep going, you guys. Keep going with me. Keep digging deep with me. He's necessary. He's a brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger. I praise God for people that are messengers similar to Epaphroditus. See, we don't know a ton about Epaphroditus, but we do know that he was a faithful messenger. If you read his story, and we're going to talk more about him next week as we finish up his character study, we learn that the dude was really a bold sacrificial messenger, right? Paul, Paul left and planted this church in Philippi, and, and, and he left to be a missionary in Rome. And before doing so, he appointed leaders in the Philippian church, people like Epaphroditus, people like um, uh, elders and deacons all throughout the, the Philippian church so that it could be sustained while he went on his journey. Well, one of the people that he left was Epaphroditus, so just think about this church. Small church, probably about our size, meeting in a house. And, and, and Paul says, you know what? Send a report to the Philippian church. I don't have that. I'm in jail. I'm struggling. I don't have any food. I don't have any finances. I'm in chains. But they did give Paul freedom to have guests. We learned that in Acts chapter 20 through 28. And can you guys just imagine this with me, you guys? Just visualize. Let's be a visual thinker of the Bible, amen? That one day they called a meeting. And they said, church, let's come together. We need to go help Brother Paul out. 
We need to go send him a gift. And they, they compiled a whole gift set for Paul. And they said, we need to bring this basket of goodies to Paul. Who's willing to bring it? There was one dude who slowly rode up inside of the bunch. And what did he say? I believe he quoted the prophet Isaiah himself and said, send me, I'll go. Epaphroditus, their messenger. He said, you know what? I'm going to make this journey. Do you guys know how far of a hike it would be to go to Philippi, to Rome? I mean, I don't think they had the carnival cruise. I don't think they had dirt bikes and, 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 and Hummers and Jeeps to just make this journey across the land to just go from a city called Philippi all the way to where Paul is in prison in Rome. I don't think he had an iPhone. I don't think he was in Siri. No GPS. All right, can you get me to this uh, prison cell where the Apostle Paul is? Epaphroditus said, I don't care. I'm a fellow soldier. I'm a co-laborer. I'm a brother, and I'm the messenger from the Philippian church. I'm going to deliver the message to Paul. I'm bringing gifts along the way. I'm going to serve our brother. Amen? Can we learn something from this dude today? Here's what I want you guys to look. When you look at Epaphroditus, be like, that dude was necessary. Am I? He was so necessary that Paul might not have made it if he didn't have the gifts that the Philippians sent. And Epaphroditus said, I'll go do it. Give me some, take it. Fill me up. Give me a pack of water bottles. Give me some finances. Give me some pita bread. Give me some hummus. Give me something. I'm taking it to Paul. I'm feeding our brother because he's our pastor. He's our leader. We're going to go take care of him. Whatever we got to do. Epaphroditus said, I'm the messenger. You might ask, where do we get this book, Philippians? Why do we even have it today? You notice Paul says, I hear these things about you. Paul said, I heard that there was a conflict, or I heard that you guys wanted to see Timothy. Paul says, I heard that there are people that are disputing among you and trying to, trying to uh, uh, tear down the gospel, and that you guys in the gospel. Praise God for you guys. How did Paul hear these things? You ever thought about that? There was a messenger. There was a messenger who said, hey, Jason, let me tell you what's going on at Walk Church. I went there, they were meeting in the gym. They, they, they needed this. They were doing that. I brought them a gift. What, do you guys ever just feel blessed when someone brings you a gift? Right? Does that ever make your day? That was what happened with Paul and Epaphroditus. He was a fellow messenger. Not only was he a messenger of the, the good gifts that were given to Paul, he was a messenger of the gospel. And we have been called, you guys know that, to take the good news Christ to our city, to our neighborhood, to our nation, to do whatever you have to do to reach people with the gospel. Remember this quote, it stuck with me till this day. The gospel is only good news if it gets there on time. We need messengers. Missionary Carl F. Henry, the gospel is only good news, right? It's only good news if it makes it to you on time for you to hear it and receive it. We must be necessary messengers of the gospel. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm a Christian, but I don't have any purpose. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know, I don't know what I'm here for. 
Let me tell you which, you're here to be a part of the family of Christ. You're here to be a fellow worker in the gospel. You're here to be a, a soldier for Christ with those around you. And you're here to deliver the message of the gospel to people around you. You got a lot of purpose. If you do all those things, you're necessary. You will be a necessary factor in the kingdom. And the enemy will hate it. And I praise God that you have brothers and sisters ready to go to war with you through it. Last point. Y'all ready for the last point? Still with me here? Let's do it. Let's finish strong. Epaphroditus was necessary because he was a minister of Christ. Let's look back at verse 25 for for one more time. All right, one more time. Fellow, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. Epaphroditus was a minister to the needs of of Christ. The same word that's used in the Greek for minister here is the same word that's used for servant. So Epaphroditus was someone who served the church, and he was sent to serve the Apostle Paul. He was sent to come alongside his brother and say, Paul, I'm here to serve with you. Whatever it is that you need, I know I'm I'm a soldier. I know I'm going to war. I know I'm going to co-labor with you. But, bro, how can I serve you? I, I would love to see that type of language in our body. Hey, Carl, how can I serve you? That type of language. Brother Rick, how can we serve you? Eddie, how can we serve you? Nina, in the kids' ministry, how can we serve you? What can we do to serve each other? Epaphroditus was counted necessary because he served his purpose. He served his calling. And what was that calling? To be a minister to Paul. This mess servant. May we always be reminded as we come to the close of this message, and the band, you guys can start making your way back up here as we come to a close here, that, that we're called to be servants before anything. And we've been talking about that often lately, but just be reminded that as members of the body of Christ, we're called to serve. Let me give you guys this quote. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll spark something in you. From Jesus, Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Here's what the verse says. He, talking about Jesus, sat down and called the 12. Imagine if you were just here in a room with Jesus, part of the 12, okay? And he gives this message to you. Last of all, if anyone would be first... He must be last of all and a servant of all. That's where we get the, 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 the quote, the greatest leader, the person who's first, is the greatest servant. And maybe you're like, hey, I don't like serving. That's, you know, that's, that costs me time. or I don't feel like serving. And I understand that it is difficult to serve. It is discomfortable to serve. I, I, I agree with that at times. But at the same time, that's why we call this theme, the joy is real. Because when we serve, when we're obedient to Christ, when we're counted as necessary, joy will follow your steps. When you serve and make an impact and you see that, and you say, I did that, I made an impact. And my church is better because of it. You will receive more joy than if you just sat there and didn't. 
And there are so many co-laborers, so many ministers here in the room. Maybe you've been living the, the deceived life and you thought, hey, only Haydn's the minister. Only Dean and Spencer, those guys are ministers. Wes is a minister, but, but I'm just kind of a co-laborer. No, Epaphroditus was a minister. Ephesians chapter 4 says, equip the saints called of a ministry. You're a saint if you're a believer in Jesus. And that means that you are called to do ministry here in the city of Las Vegas. And what does the word ministry mean? Serve, right? We're called to serve. Let me wrap up by reading these last two verses. Uh, verse 25 through 27. Paul says, I, I thought it would be necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had a mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So we don't have time to really unpack those last two verses, but in a nutshell, here's what Epaphroditus' story, here's what we know about him. He's got a total of five verses in the Bible. And in those five verses, we get to know a lot. And, and, and go back to verse 26, if you would. It says that he was longing for you all. He was longing to be with the Philippian church. He was serving Paul, but he's like, you know what, Paul? Whenever you're ready, send me back. I want to be with my church fam. He was distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to Epaphroditus. So, so remember I told you about that journey, right? Epaphroditus said, send me, I'll go. I'll take the gifts to Paul. On the way, he almost died. He made it, and Paul said, dude, you're in bad shape. He was ill near death. During this time, scholars say that he may have came across the Roman plague that was sweeping through the nation, killing so many people. Epaphroditus said, send me, I'll go. And then God had mercy on him. And he also had mercy on Paul. And Paul said, I need to send him because if I don't send him, then I'm going to have sorrow upon sorrow because if he dies here with me, I'm not going to make it, man. I'm going to be too I'm gonna be stressed out. I need to send him back. He needs to be with his church family, and he needs to have relief. And Epaphroditus had to make the trip back. Do you guys know if Epaphroditus made it back? You guys know how we know he made it back? Because Epaphroditus took the letter that Paul wrote while he was with him. And he came back and he said, all right, Philippians, I've made it back. Here's what Paul wrote. And I can just see him reading this glorious letter. Right? He's the reason we have it. He wrote it. Paul wrote it and sent it through Epaphroditus. God had mercy on him. The word mercy means that God gave you what he didn't deserve. God said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you grace. And do you guys know that he does that for us? Because if, if we got what we deserve today, we would, we would deserve death. We would deserve hell. And what God has given us in return is his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And we get to enjoy supernatural life with the Lord and Savior that will one day lead us home into eternity with our Father, where we'll be able to have dinner with Epaphroditus and Paul. Does that sound like a good dinner? 
I'm excited for that day. I'm excited for our son Epaph, Epaphroditus one day because God had mercy on us and sent his son Jesus. So right now I'm gonna ask us to bow our heads and pray as we prepare to close. Father God, I do come before you today amongst so many brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, I know you're with us. You've been with us, God. And Lord, as we look at these five points, soldier, brother, co-laborer, God, may family, minister, messenger, God, may we look at those and, and, and identify the area that we're not doing that. Maybe it's all five, God, I don't know. Would you just go ahead and speak to us today? Would you go ahead and minister to us, God, as we come before you right now? God, we want to come back to the heart of worship right now. Where it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about what we can do for you. It's about you living through us, God. And Lord, if there's somebody who needs to respond today in prayer, by, by coming their life to you, Jesus, by calling upon the name of the Lord, and being saved, or if it's just by coming up here to be prayed for, or it's by taking a step to get involved, or it's by becoming a soldier, becoming a, 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 a fellow co-laborer, God, whatever it is, God, do your work. Have your way in our church, God. God, we pray for a time where this whole gym one day will be filled up with co-laborers, soldiers for Christ, ministers and messengers of the gospel.